The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. When David and faithlessness fled from Saul, he ultimately ended up in the cave of Adullam. And here it seems that David has reached his lowest point. And we know what he was thinking while in the cave because he composed a couple of psalms here. Psalms 57 and 142 tell us what he was thinking and how he ultimately had no hope except in God. Child of God, I hope that we will take encouragement from this situation and see that even in the cave, we can look to God for help. Join us today as we begin to look at David's prayer from a cave. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
begin our uh, reading this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1 and sort of remind ourselves where we are in the life of David. David's had quite a bit of trouble since he forgot that God is faithful and began to try to manipulate his circumstances in a way that would save his life and get him to the place where David thinks he needs to be, even though it might not be exactly where God would have him to be. You recall that David engaged in deceit and uh, his wife was involved in that. He fled from Saul while he was living in the palace of the king and he was the great war leader for Saul. And Saul got after him and so he had Michael, his wife, who is Saul's daughter, to make up a uh, dummy and lay it in the bed. And uh, he, she let David out the window and he fled. Uh, you say, as we said many times, well, that's that's just good common sense, right? Well, uh, he would have died if he'd stayed there, right? We see that he went immediately to Samuel, and Saul came after Samuel, and, and Saul, I mean, and David just as hard as he came after David alone. And the next thing we find is that Saul is prophesying uh, unclothed there uh, in the streets in, in Ramah where, uh, uh, where, where Samuel was. And Samuel, we're going to read about for too long, Samuel dies of natural causes. Saul never killed Samuel. And uh, I believe he would have protected David in the same way. Then David goes to, uh, to, to Nob, and he uh, ends up lying to the priest there, Ahimelech, and caused, ultimately caused the death of 85 people in Ahimelech's family. Only one of them survived and came to be with him. And then uh, he goes to the place where Achish is. Uh, Achish is uh, uh, the king of the Philistines. And, and the next thing you know, in order to save his life there, he's got to act like he's a madman. He's got to act like he's lost his mind. He begins to slobber all over himself and to drool and to, and to beat his head against the gate and to scratch at the gates like a dog. And, and the next thing you know, he's Achish, who, you know, he's walking. <laughs> you know, this is so so funny how things will happen to you when you get away from God. Uh, David says, I think it's a wonderful idea to take the sword of Goliath, who I killed, uh, and go to his hometown and march up and down the streets of Goliath's hometown. Yeah, nobody will be mad at me about killing their warrior, killing their friend, killing their son. Nobody will be mad at me there, will they? Well, sure enough, he goes to Achish, the, the king of Gath, and they say, wait a minute, that's David. We recognize him because of the sword he's carrying. He killed our brother. He killed our cousin. He killed our friend, our hero, you know, the hometown hero. And so he has to pretend he's crazy in order to get out of that mess. And finally he ends up down in a dulem in a cave. In verse 22, chapter 22 and verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulem. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves together unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. David has gotten to the place that you and I will always get to when we forget that God is faithful and we try to take matters into our own hands. He ends up in the cave and he's, he's the captain now. He's the king, right? Over 400 malcontents 
who owe money to everybody, probably to the government, but maybe to everybody else. They saw an opportunity to escape out of their problems. And all those that were in distress, they had their own problems. And let me tell you, when, when 400 people with their own problems come together, they don't solve their own problems. They just, they just multiply their problems. <laughs> and they're together there and they say, David, we want you to be our king. <laughs> well, he's our king. He's their captain over them now, right? David's in a mess. And we know this because he wrote a couple of psalms from that cave. And today I want to talk to you a little bit from Psalm 142, which is, uh, if you read the superscription over this psalm, it says, it's a masculine of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. What I love about David is that he is such a great encouragement to me because he mirrors the expressions and feelings of my own heart. He, and we, we don't just read about his life and have to suppose what he was thinking. He actually wrote down his thoughts under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, understand, uh, this isn't just something David came up with, but, but realize, too, that the Holy Spirit moved men of God. You see, he said, holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the Bible. And, and that tells me something about that. That tells me that we get... The words that are written are absolutely inspired of God, no doubt. But it also tells me we get a little flavor of the man when we read what the man wrote, when it, even though it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I love that about David because David was a man of faith. He was a man of vision, but he sometimes struggled with putting his faith into practice. Mm -hmm. Do you get that? <laughs> do you identify with that? I know I do. <laughs> I identify with that. And this cave experience that he had is the place I sometimes find myself. I, I'm not sure the number, and I haven't, done, I haven't studied this out for myself. I've read in one place there were five psalms that David wrote while he was fleeing from Saul. I read in another place there were eight psalms. But he wrote two of them while he was in the cave. And one of them is here, Psalm 142. The other we dealt with last time in Psalm 57. And notice what's happened here as we read this psalm in a minute. David has come to the end of himself. David has gotten to the place that we all get to from time to time, this dark place where God seems not to be. I've been there. I, I suggest that you've been there. I believe, and, and I say, without knowing your particular circumstances, I know your nature, and it's just like mine. And I have been there. And he wrote down these thoughts. He wrote down his depression. He wrote down his struggles. But he also wrote down a plan for how to get out of them. So let's begin reading with no further ado in Psalm 142. We're just going to read the whole psalm. And look at it with me. Psalm 142 and verse 1. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. 
Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Notice that the, the psalm begins with a cry of despair, and it ends with a shout of victory. But how do you get from that cry of despair to the shout of victory? Well, let's look first of all at David's problems as he sets them out here in this psalm. The first thing we read about him is he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed. Look at verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me. Has your spirit ever been overwhelmed within you? Sometimes as I get older, Brother Buddy and I have talked about this a little bit. As I get older, there are times my, my spirit gets overwhelmed within me for no reason. <laughs> Sometimes, some mornings, I just wake up. And all I did was wake up. And I'm feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> I don't get that, but I, I guess I do. The older I get, uh, Brother Buddy's preached on that from uh, Ecclesiastes 12. Things change as you get older. Young folks... Remember that. I don't mean to discourage you, and I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you to seek the Lord while you're young and to look into His Word while you're young because as you get older, that will be harder to do. Things don't get easier and easier. You think, well, I finally, I'm finally overcoming sin. I'm, I'm 50. I'm 60. I'm 70. I finally, I've got it licked. You know, David was in his, probably in his 50s. Maybe, you know, maybe approaching, I don't know his exact age. He was probably in his 50s when he committed that sin with Bathsheba. <laughs> Things don't get easier. They don't. His spirit here was overwhelmed within him as a young man. He was in this cave surrounded by these malcontents, these miscreants. He was, he was surrounded by people that were unhappy. And they really weren't seeking God either. <laughs> From what I can tell, he was the only one in that cave that was really there because he was trying to ultimately find God's will for his life. All these others just flocked to him because they saw a way out. David was a man of faith. He was seeking God. He had been faithless in his actions, but here we see that he says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. That word overwhelmed in the Hebrew comes from a primitive root word meaning to shroud. You heard of the burial shroud? They wrap them up in black clothing, burial clothing. And it gives the idea of darkness. It gives the idea of swooning because of the darkness. The idea of being wrapped up in your troubles. His soul, his spirit was so wrapped up in his troubles and in his gloom over these troubles that his very judgment was perverted. He was hunted by the king. He was surrounded by... These lions, he calls them. Can you imagine every night you lay down and you say, I'm surrounded by lions. You know, I think about poor old Daniel. I, I hope Daniel, I, I believe he probably slept in the lion's den. He had more faith than I've got. But even with faith, if I lay down in a den of lions and lions all around me, it'd be hard for me to sleep, I'll tell you. And I think that's where David found himself. They weren't literal lions, but they were, they were rough, tough, violent men. You're going to read later on as we go through this. There were times that these men, uh, once, not, not far from this point, they get mad at David and they're going to kill him. He knew they could turn on him in an instant. He said he was among lions. That's, that's the nature of a lion, isn't it? You know, I see all these people that are friends with lions. You know, the, the lion trainers and some of these, well, there was, there was a show not too long ago about this guy. 
this guy, it wasn't lions, but it was bears. He decided that he could go up into the Yukon and and just live with the bears. And he was out there for some months, I think, and, and everybody's thinking the same thing. This ain't gonna end well. He ended up getting eaten up by the bears at some point. That's what David is. David is like, he's among, he's like that guy living among the bears. There are lions around him. They will turn, they, they're violent men. There's twice we'll read about when they encourage him to kill Saul. And David knew better than to do that. But, but they are, they're violent, bloody men. And they're wanting to, they're, there's times when David knows they will turn on him. He was surrounded by these lions. He had the burden of guilt in his life. You remember, we just finished up reading about how burdened he was, how sorrowful his heart was, that this man, Dog, who was an Edomite who worked for King Saul, had been there when he went to Ahimelech. And Dog went back and told Saul that David had been sheltered by Ahimelech and his family at Nob. And Saul comes over and gets Dog to kill 85 of them. And David said, I knew it. Man, I can just see David's, I can see his eyes filled with tears. He said, I knew that was going to happen. And it started, it happened because of the lie he told to Ahimelech in the first place. You see, he was, he was burdened by guilt. And he was, weighed, he was their leader now, too. He was weighed down by respons his responsibilities. I'm blessed in the, in the job that I do. Brother Buddy works for me and others work for me that are, they're good folks. And I, I'm the leader in the office. But I, I'm, I'm not the leader of a bunch of lions. <laughs> you know, Brother Buddy and them are not tearing at each other constantly and trying to get one up on each other. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're good folks and we're all pulling in the same direction. That is not the case with David. If you've ever been the leader, the supervisor of a group of any kind where they're constantly at one another's throats, that's a burden. He was weighed down by his responsibilities as a leader, and it appears he just—he didn't even know where to start. He said, I cried unto the Lord. I cried unto the Lord. And he says, I poured out my complaint. My spirit was overwhelmed within me. He was overwhelmed, and he was alone. He was alone. Verse 4, he said, I looked on my right hand and beheld. There was no man that would know me. David, what are you talking about? You're among 400 people. Have you ever been alone in a crowd? You ever been in a crowd and just been, felt like you were completely alone? In 1989, I was in England and been there about five weeks and had made friends there. It was a study tour in the University of Alabama, through the University of Alabama. But I'd been away from home and my, home, my family and my friends for, for about five weeks. As I said, I'd made some friends there, but this particular weekend, I decided to go into London. We're staying at Oxford. I decided to go into London, and I decided to uh, see the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. And I thought, you know, I hadn't seen it yet, and it was my last weekend there. And so I went, and, and I just tell you, I was a little down. I mean, it was, you know, that's, that's one of those trips that gets better the farther away from it you get. You know, you ever been on those trips? It's, oh, that was wonderful time, you know? You forget about the loneliness and the, and the, and the homesickness you endured. It kind of pales once you get, but in the middle of it, we were all homesick, let me tell you. And so I was homesick, but I went in, the, I went in and, uh, and I was standing in a crowd of probably, I don't know, 20,000 people. It, it seemed like it. It may not have been that many. It was thousands, though, I'll tell you. Right in the middle of them, and everybody had their, you know, even Yankees don't talk like the English do. The British have this, you know, this way of talking, you know, that doesn't sound like they're from around here, let me just say. 
And so uh, I was standing there in this crowd just feeling, but I was surrounded by thousands of people and not one of them sounded like me. Not one of them thought like me. And about this time, about two people over, I heard a guy say, say, man, it sure is hot out here. And I said, where are you from? <laughs> he said, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I said, that's close enough. I'm from Gordo, Alabama. And we hit up, we talked. It was just like a, I don't remember the guy's name now, but I wanted to hug him, you know. And, and it's the first time I'd heard that kind of talk in, six, in nearly six weeks. And, but I was, my, my point is, I was so alone over there in the midst of thousands. And you can be alone, child of God, in a crowd. I felt that way uh, since then in a, on a lesser scale. When I've got burdens and I've got problems that are overwhelming me, and I'm out amongst friends, but I can't share it with them. I can't talk to them about it. I've been alone in a crowd. I feel like in some places uh, where I'm surrounded by lions, I'm surrounded by people that are thinking differently than me. Now, maybe it Work, maybe at, uh, in your social gatherings. I don't know where it may be, but I have been there since then. This is where David is. He says, although I am one in a 400-person crowd, he says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Nobody knew the trouble David had seen. That's what he's saying, basically. Nobody knows the trouble that I've seen. You know, sometimes we get to that point in our lives where we feel there's no one we can talk to. There's no one we can share with. The problems that we have have a tendency to isolate us. He was alone. I've many times wanted to share the pressures of, you know, some, sometimes you'll see preachers when they get together. And, and, and let me just say, we do not believe in cliques in the, in the church of the living God. Absolutely not. But one of the struggles I have, and I'll tell you sometimes, is when a, when a preacher comes around or there's several preachers around, I often tend to gravitate toward them because I want to share, you know, hear their troubles and talk to them because there's, there's, there's things that they've experienced maybe that I've experienced. And, and there's many times I've wanted to share that with them. And even then I can't do it. And, I, and, and we tell, you know, preachers like to flock together, you know, sometimes. And we have to watch that too and make sure we're not just uh, hanging out with each other. But, but there's many times I've wanted to share those pressures and, uh, of, of pastoring, even with my dear wife. And she gets it better than anybody else does. Uh, but, but she can't get it completely. I wanted to share the, the pressures of prosecuting I wanted to share the pressures of being a father. I wanted to share the pressures of all the things that I'm experiencing, but I just can't share it always with somebody else. That's where David was. He was alone. And oh, was he depressed. Look at verse 6. He says, Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. That word means to slacken or to be feeble, to dry up or to be emptied. He said, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. You know, many people experience that. Some experience it uh, from a physiological standpoint. And there is a physical aspect to probably all depression. Some have gotten so depressed they've ended their own lives. They counted up the problems in their lives. Added them all up and said, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it anymore. All hope was gone for him. All joy was gone. He's not experiencing the joy of his salvation right here in this cave. There's no joy in the cave. There's no joy in the cave. But notice also, let me just say, 
something about what David's doing here. You notice that the problems and the pressures and these experiences are overwhelming him. And what he's doing is his thoughts have turned inward. His thoughts have turned inward. You know, really, King Saul wasn't the problem anymore because he's, he's escaped King Saul and he's in the cave. Now, Saul was after him. Saul, and we're going to read some more. David, David continues to experience depression and, and these pressures throughout his life. David here, though, I believe himself was part of the problem. He was not, he was focusing inward and internalizing these things. And when he thought about them, they overwhelmed him. And I just got to tell you, when I think about the problems I, that I have in my life, when I focus on them and I internalize them, they overwhelm me every time. Every single time. And you know what the end result is? Same end result that David had here is he was defeated. I become defeated. Look at verse 6 again. He says, Attend to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. The score is been tallied up and David's lost. The, end, the game's over. In David's mind, I've tallied up the score. They're stronger than I am. There's no way I can beat them. I'm the loser. He even felt like it says in verse 7, bring my soul out of prison. He even felt like he was in prison. And I believe what we're seeing here is the lowest part of David's life thus far in his life. He's overwhelmed, he's alone, he's depressed, and he's defeated here in this cave. But I got good news for you. David doesn't stay here. There's another man that was depressed as well. Psalm 73. He puts it like this. Asaph, who wrote this psalm, starts off this way in Psalm 73. He says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But look at verse 2. You ever been here? You ever, you ever heard somebody say, Oh, the Lord will bless you. The Lord is Lord's good to His people. The Lord will bless you. You know, you do right, the Lord will bless you. <laughs> I've heard that many times. And, and, and generally, let, let me just say, that's the, that's the teaching of the Word of God. When we do right, the Lord tends to bless us. Okay? When we do wrong, we can't expect the blessings of God. Would you ever told, had somebody tell you that and you say, Well, yeah, I know that's true, but as for me... <laughs> But as for me, you know, my situation hadn't worked out that way. <laughs> my situation hadn't been quite the same as what, you know, and I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel here either. Let me just say, don't, don't buy into that mess. Don't buy into the Joel Osteens of the world that'll tell you, oh, send me a hundred dollars and you get a thousand back. Send me a thousand dollars, you get ten thousand back. And just think yourself into a better uh, way of living. <laughs> I'll tell you, that name it and claim it crowd didn't work out too well for Joel, did it? Didn't work out too well. Just name it and claim it. You'll be a better. Get the sin out of your life. Do do better. He didn't. He didn't. They didn't get that, did they? Notice what Asaph says here. He says, "Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart." But as for me, and sometimes I found myself here. As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. <laughs> now understand something here that as you continue reading this is a different sermon okay because there's a different reason Asaph is down and out 
Asaph really could blame himself in, in some, some re very real ways because it says he was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, I just want to stop and sort of take the rabbit trail here for just a second and say to you, child of God, if you want a surefire path to depression, become envious at the foolish and become en envious at the wicked. Look around you in a horizontal way and say, well, that guy's not living not even trying to live right. He's got more money than I'll ever have. <laughs> uh, look how easy their life is. Oh, my life, I'm struggling, trying to serve the Lord, but it seems like everybody's doing better than me when they don't serve the Lord. Uh, sometimes, let me just say there's a reason for that. Even as a child of God, you know, I think I don't notice very much, very many places where the devil really messed with a lot too much, did he? He had one time when he had trouble, you know, he got carried off captive, but he had just one time when he had trouble. But mostly, I think the devil left Lot alone. You know why? Even though Lot was a child of God, the devil had him right where he wanted him. <laughs> he was right out there serving himself and serving the world and serving the devil. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.